Why is there so much anger and violence in the Old Testament prophets? Does it make you uncomfortable too? Hey, this is Shree at Bible Project. In this episode, we open the scroll of Jeremiah, an intense book that's really hard to stomach at times, but it's here that we discover God's deep anguish over the consequences of sin. There are many insightful truths to reflect on today. Some might even surprise you, so stay tuned and listen in. Hey everybody, this is Tim Mackey at Bible Project. And if you've ever tried reading through the Old Testament prophets, my guess is that it was really challenging, and for lots of reasons. Uh, If the dense poetry and obscure imagery of the prophets isn't hard enough, God seems to be angry a lot. And the prophets themselves are just really intense people who are announcing catastrophe on Israel and their ancient neighbors. What is going on here? There's a temptation for followers of Jesus to skim the prophetic books, avoiding the emotional intensity and maybe just picking out their favorite parts. But some of these biblical books are the ones that Jesus himself quoted most often in his own teachings. Jesus often drew upon the language of the prophets to describe who he was and what he was all about. And so if we really want to know Jesus, we need to know the prophets in all of their intensity. And Jeremiah chapter 4 actually offers a great example. Jeremiah lived in Jerusalem near the tail end of the time when Israel had its independence as a kingdom. And from the prophet's point of view, the Israelites had for centuries failed to live faithfully to the terms of their covenant relationship with Yahweh. And that failure was nowhere more evident than in Israel's leaders, who were behaving just like other ancient Near Eastern rulers. They gave their allegiance to the gods of money and sex and military power, and they left the poor and the vulnerable to fend for themselves. And so when Jeremiah was called by Yahweh, his message was loud and clear. It's all over. This generation of Israel is just too far gone. It's too enmeshed in the corrupt value systems of their ancient neighbors. And so not only has Israel failed to be Yahweh's kingdom of priests among the nations, they've actually tarnished God's own reputation and Yahweh's over it. So Jeremiah started sharing this message, right, when the Babylonian Empire started conquering and plundering the ancient world. And Jeremiah's message was startling. Babylon was Yahweh's tool, he said, for bringing judgment on his own rebellious people and on their neighbors. But here's the thing, it actually breaks his heart. Notice how in Jeremiah chapter 4, neither God nor the prophet are indifferent to the destruction of Jerusalem. Through the prophet, God is expressing deep anguish over the ruin of his own people. It's actually cosmic anguish. He says, I looked at the land, and it was wild and waste, at the skies, and there was no light, at the land, and there were no humans or animals or birds. Jeremiah is summarizing here the first six days of the creation story in Genesis chapter 1, but notice it's in reverse. It's like Jeremiah is experiencing the ruin of Israel as the unraveling of creation, and it really was the end of Israel, at least as they know it. 
Part of the reason why the prophets are so intense and full of graphic language is that they lived in a very violent and turbulent period of Israel's history when everything came crashing down. And so instead of suppressing all of the negative emotions that you would have if you would have been there, both God and the prophet vent their feelings about all of this injustice and the ruin and the tragedy. But Jeremiah also trusted that things wouldn't end this way. The fact that Yahweh was the judge of Israel, it both terrified him and it also gave him hope. It gave him hope because the creator, he believed, had power to overcome all of this death and violent evil that caused it and that God had the power to bring about new life. And this hope actually climaxes in Jeremiah's picture of a future day when God's people will have God's will inscribed on their hearts and when they're led by a messianic king that will bring about true justice. And so, yes, in God's anger, he hands his people over to the consequences of their decisions, but that's never the end of the story with Yahweh. And Jeremiah went to his grave hoping in that promise. And so this is the literature that Jesus was raised on. These books of the prophets informed Jesus' own sense of his mission to Israel. You know, when he went to Jerusalem and confronted the corrupt Israelite leaders of his day, he was actually channeling all of the anger and intensity of Israel's prophets. When Jesus stormed the temple and when he interrupted the sale of the sacrificial animals, he used Jeremiah's words to make himself clear. Israel had distorted its vocation again by turning God's house into a den of rebels. And Jesus warned that Rome was going to play the role of a new Babylon coming to destroy Israel. And like Jeremiah, it broke his heart. This is why Jesus wept as he rode into Jerusalem as Israel's king. And then he did something startling. Jesus actually challenged the powers that be, and he brought down the angry violence of Israel and of Rome upon himself, taking their sins into himself. But then he overwhelmed their power through his death and resurrection. And this, to me, is the most astounding outcome of God's intensity in the Bible. God is so moved that in Jesus, he takes creation's violent anger into himself and overcomes it with his goodness and life. And so the prophets and the story of Jesus don't present us with a God that is comfortable or contained. He's certainly not a God that is indifferent. The biblical God is a God full of passion for people and for his world, and he won't tolerate the horrific things that we do to each other. God will apparently let our world collapse, if that's what it takes to get our attention. But in the story of Jesus, that passionate anger develops into self-giving love that opens up a way through death and into a new creation. And so it's a full-orbed picture of God's passion and anger and love. This is what we find when we learn how to read and ponder the Hebrew prophets. And so may God have mercy on us. May he give us wisdom to see, like Jesus did, what message these books of the prophets might have for us and for our world today. Jeremiah 4, 16 through 28. Tell this to the nations. Proclaim concerning Jerusalem. A besieging army is coming from a distant land, raising a war cry against the cities of Judah. They surround her like men guarding a field because she has rebelled against me, declares the Lord. Your own conduct and actions have brought this on you. 
This is your punishment. How bitter it is. How it pierces to the heart. Oh, my anguish, my anguish. I writhe in pain. Oh, the agony of my heart. My heart pounds within me. I cannot keep silent. For I have heard the sound of the trumpet. I have heard the battle cry. Disaster follows disaster. The whole land lies in ruins. In an instant, my tents are destroyed. My shelter in a moment. How long must I see the battle standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? My people are fools. They do not know me. They are senseless children. They have no understanding. They are skilled at doing evil. They know not how to do good. I looked at the earth and it was formless and empty and at the heavens and their light was gone. I looked at the mountains and they were quaking. All the hills were swaying. I looked and there were no people. Every bird in the sky had flown away. I looked and the fruitful land was a desert. All its towns lay in ruins before the Lord, before his fierce anger. This is what the Lord says. The whole land will be ruined, though I will not destroy it completely. Therefore, the earth will mourn and the heavens above grow dark because I have spoken and I will not relent. I have decided and will not turn back. Jeremiah 4, 16 through 28. Now let's review. The prophetic books are intense, so it's easy to skip ahead to more comfortable portions of the Bible. But Jesus often used the prophet's words to describe what he was all about. So if we want to know Jesus, we gotta learn the prophets. And as we do, we learn that when God's people reject his words, they are rejecting life itself. The disorder and chaos and suffering that results is painful, and it grieves God. But there is hope that God's people can return to the life He offers. So let's think more about this. I have three reflections for you today. Listen closely and press pause if you need more time. Imagine the power of the moment when God spoke, let there be light, and said it was good. What is one way you've experienced God's goodness in your life? Here's our second reflection. When we neglect His life-giving words, Sooner or later, we're left with darkness, chaos, and void. This causes deep anguish for God and for us. What is one way you've experienced anguish when you or others have rejected God's words?
And now our last reflection. Take a moment to reflect in prayer. Ask God, what's one specific way I can respond to your life-giving words today? Listen for what he brings to mind. Thanks for joining us for today's reflection. Now, before we go, let's pray together. God, you're the creator, and all your words that made all that we know, they're full of life. Knowing and following you, it brings us light and life and goodness. But we forget that and neglect your ways and drag creation back into chaos, void, and darkness. Forgive us for all the anguish we cause when we do that. Thank you for entering our darkness, for taking it on yourself and bringing it all to an end, the death, the pain. We want to live in this hope. We want to live in this new creation, and we need your help. So please, God, help us to trust and live in your words of life today. Amen. Today's lesson comes with the animated video and more reflection questions for personal study or group discussion. You can find both at bibleproject.com study. Thanks to Dr. Tim Mackey, Dan Gummel, Michelle Jones, and Grant William Harold for helping bring this episode all together. I'm Shree Hayes, your host, thanking you, the audience, as well. We couldn't do this without you, because Reflections is more than a podcast. It's a community of friends like Atalea. Hi. This is Atalea from Tangrang, Indonesia, and I listen to the Reflections podcast while doing arts and crafts to unwind. Thanks, Atalea. If you ever make an art piece inspired by an episode of Reflections, post it on social media and tag Bible Project. Bible Project is a crowdfunded nonprofit. We provide free resources so we can all experience the Bible as a unified story that leads to Jesus. Thank you.